0: Warning, the stories in this podcast contain depictions of violence and suggestive themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Baseline Feed podcast, where we exist as a platform for new writers, voice actors, and producers to express their creative side. This week, we're presenting a story written by Lachlan Watt, where a man has to finally come to terms with his past. Not everything lasts forever, but sometimes sitting on a park bench and looking back on your life, you could say that it was good while it lasted.
1: Have you ever done something so awful you were convinced people would be able to see it on you? Guilt can be a hard thing to get out from under. Feel enough of it and you spend the rest of your life trying to balance the ledger. This is why whenever I meet someone that's devoted their existence to enriching the lives of others, I grow curious. Are they doing what they do as a part of a genuine attempt to make the world a better place? Or are they simply trying to make amends for something terrible in their past? Routines can be a dangerous thing to fall into. I'd spent years telling myself this, but by the time I was nearing retirement, you could find me in the same spot every afternoon. Perched on the wrought iron bench, a quick walk from the humanities department, letting the smell of dry leaves fill my head. This particular afternoon had been marked by the sight of an airship sailing overhead, gliding in for a landing on top of one of the towers in the nearby city. When the wind shifted, I imagined I could hear the music playing on its promenade deck. All the wonders of the age we live in, carried to me by the breeze. I didn't notice the young woman's arrival which bothered me a little. I really must have been getting old if someone could sneak up on me like that. One minute I was alone, the next she was perched at the other end of the bench, fussing with a compact and some lipstick. She was in her early 20s, bundled up in a coat that was too big for her, dark-haired and pretty in a way that would probably rouse the beast in more than a few young men. She could have been the personal assistant to someone vastly more important than she was ever going to be, hired for her looks, wearing the coat she borrowed from her boyfriend in case the temperature dropped later on. She was probably dating some starving artist. That was the type they always seemed to go for at her age. She probably mistook this artist boyfriend's passive acquiescence for sensitivity and spent their time together overlooking his inability to complete a project or get his life together. I know the type, you see. I know everything, and...
2: Have we met?
1: The question caught me by surprise. The girl had put her compact away, and now was staring quite intently at me. I opened my mouth to answer, but something stopped me. I shook my head instead.
2: I'm sure I know you. You're not the guy from those soap ads, are you?
1: In a move that looked well-rehearsed, she clapped her hand over her mouth as if surprised. I smirked. I wasn't sure what her game was, but I was willing to play along. I'm flattered that you'd think they'd ever put my face in print. No, I'm afraid that if I seem familiar to you, it's probably because I work here. I'm one of the university's senior lecturers. I shifted in my seat and offered my hand. After a moment, she took it. Her cheeks flushed pink as I gripped her tiny palm in mine, and I relaxed slightly. I'm Ava. Are you a student here?
2: Just an undergraduate. I transferred in last month. I'm sorry I didn't recognize you.
1: Oh, please. No apology necessary. There's a lot to take in when you first arrive. Even if you have the pleasure of taking one of my classes... You'll find I'm pretty informal.
2: I'll bear that in mind. What do you teach?
1: Criminology.
2: Oh, the study of why people do bad things, right?
1: (laughs) The opportunity to humiliate and patronize the undergraduates is one of my job's many fringe benefits. I laughed at her description, and I hoped it made her feel stupid. Precisely. It's not for everyone. I was in law enforcement for 20 years. I saw it all. I I wanted to give back a little. So now I'm an educator, training up the next generation of leaders. People like yourself, I guess.
2: Of course. People just like me.
1: She didn't sound at all thrown by my dismissive tone. This irked me. Have you considered a career in law enforcement?
2: I haven't. You really think I've got what it takes?
1: People will tell you that you need a strong constitution. Iron will supernatural powers of observation it's all crap all it takes is physical fitness and the ability to see the escape route of any situation you find yourself in well, that in legible handwriting (laughs) she giggled like I actually said something funny a little alarm bell started to ring in the back of my head
2: I actually did think about trying to qualify for the forces myself you know what that made me realize? what's that? traits that make you good at upholding the law would probably make you an even better criminal.
1: Her body language underwent a sudden, subtle shift. I realized she was no longer trying to flatter me, and that the little alarm bell became a screaming air raid siren. I glanced around. We were still alone. I started to shift my seat as if about to leave. I'm sorry, but I have to...
2: You're not getting up from this bench.
1: I beg your pardon. Look... The woman held something dark and dangerously angular in her hand, almost concealed by the big black coat she wore. It was a gun. If she pulled the trigger now, the bullet would hit me in the chest. A few minutes ago, I would have been sure this little girl didn't have it in her to pull the trigger. Right now, I put the odds at 50-50. I nodded to her in recognition of my predicament.
2: That's it. That's the reaction I was looking for. You're not scared, not confused. You expected this. Can you explain that?
1: Is this a robbery?
2: You know it isn't. Well then. 20 years a cop. Well, 21 years and 30 days if we want to be precise. Isn't that right?
1: My lips had gone dry. I fought the urge to lick them and was unsuccessful. The display of nervousness seemed to gratify her. She smiled darkly. You've done your research. You tell me.
2: You got around a lot.
1: I've had more than my fair share of postings. A storied career. It paid well. If it's money-
2: You got around more than anyone ever knew.
1: I'm sorry, young lady. This is where I have to ask if I'm supposed to know what you're talking about.
2: Burglary, rape, murder, lots and lots of murder.
1: What? No, that's preposterous. You've got the wrong person. I saw her swallow before she continued, a flicker of nervousness that told me she'd sailed out beyond her comfort zone. If I were going to get out of this, here was my opening.
2: They used to call you the Blue-Eyed Beast, one of the great unsolved cases.
1: Blue-Eyed Beast? Did you escape from some kind of sanitarium? My eyes are brown, just like yours. I shook my head, as if ridicule could deflect a bullet. Just give me the gun. Before someone gets hurt, she let me finish talking, but made no move to hand over her weapon.
2: You used to stage crime scenes. You'd have conversations with people who weren't there, making it seem like you were either working with an accomplice or deranged. You dropped items some distance from your attacks, sent letters to the press, made it seem like you were after things you weren't. You used disguises. Nobody ever described you the same way twice, except for the eyes. Blue. Unnaturally blue is what one of your victims said.
1: This has gone far enough. I- Shut up. The gun clicked as she thumbed back the hammer. When she spoke again, her voice was tight with anger.
2: You left a trail of apparent mistakes that took investigators absolutely nowhere. It was very, very clever. So why did you stop?
1: Please, stop this. I have children. Two daughters. They know that their father would never...
2: Right. Children, the oldest has
1: to be about 15, am I right?
2: When the attacks finally stopped, people thought you'd died or been sent to prison for something else. Or maybe that you'd moved away and were offending elsewhere. I thought, no, this guy is still around. He's hiding in plain sight. He's raising his family.
1: She was talking too much, reveling in the moment. I knew I could take her. The gun was a bit of a wild card. But I'd faced down people infinitely more dangerous than some girl, barely out of her teenage years, who fancied herself a vigilante. I needed a way to surprise her. I needed her to forget that she even held that gun. You look like her. What? That's it, isn't it? That explains the obvious obsession. Your mother was one of my bitches. The words were a gamble. But I knew by her reaction that I'd hit on something. I saw her lip tremble. The barrel of the gun wavered, and I was poised to strike when we both heard it. Footsteps on the path. Quiet. A young man ran by without paying either of us the slightest bit of attention. I watched his back recede, lips peeling back from my teeth in a snarl as I readied myself. The only regret that I had about what I was about to do to this woman was that it wouldn't take nearly as long as she deserved. It had been a while since I last indulged, but sadly, this was too public of a place for me to properly enjoy it. You little bitch. I'm going to. (laughs) The loudest sound the gun made was a click as Ava pulled the trigger. It felt like a hammer smashed into my kneecap. The pain hit a fraction of a second later. I opened my mouth to scream. Ava struck my throat with the handle of the gun, and I reeled, choking.
2: You're going to be quiet. I didn't need any confirmation, but now that we both know what you are, you know I won't think twice about killing you.
1: She let me compose myself as best I could before her next question. How many? Even through the pain, something stopped me from saying something that might be construed as a lie. This girl was a predator, just like me. She'd recognized dishonesty as easily as she could tell the difference between brown eyes and blue. At least ten more bodies than what they said. I stopped counting. Why? I growled and clutched at my kneecap. You bitches deserved it.
2: Huh! Really? Actually, forget it. I don't care. Are you ready?
1: (laughs) (coughs) I tried to answer, but all that came out was a wheeze. I coughed and tried again. I'll give you the truth. Anything you want to know. I'll give you a confession.
2: I think we're a little past that.
1: Why did you come for me yourself? You knew who I was. Why aren't I being arrested?
2: You really want to know?
1: The wind picked up and more leaves fell from the trees around us. I felt curiously detached from what I knew was about to happen. I guess that once we were done here, she was going to take that gun she was holding and pitch it in the pond a hundred yards from where we both sat. A gun like that, one that was almost completely silent, must have been a sizable investment. No way she was going to risk being caught carrying it. The outfit she wore had probably been purchased from a second-hand store. She'd lose the clothes, catch the express, and be about a hundred miles away before my body was even discovered.
2: Whenever I feel anger I can't control, whenever strange thoughts occur to me... Whenever I hold my hand above the flame of a candle just a little too long, I have to wonder where that comes from. My mother was incredibly damaged by what you did, but the love that she showed me tells me the darkness that's inside me doesn't come from her. I look in the mirror and I see someone who is at least in part a stranger.
1: I don't understand. How does this...
2: You know what else I see when I look in the mirror?
1: What? Please what? Tell me.
2: I want to. These aren't my mother's eyes.
1: (laughs) The bullet entered just below my armpit and shredded my heart and lungs as it ricocheted around my ribcage. It hurt a lot. But not for long. I gave one final exhalation and sank back on the bench as the world turned black. With almost reverent care, Ava led my corpse down and pulled the brim of my hat over my eyes there was only one bullet hole and the round had got in hot enough to sear the wound shut. I probably just looked like I was asleep. I wouldn't be discovered till evening. Alright. Chapters 3 and 4 are done by next week. There's information that will be critical to your final exam in there, so read carefully. Anything you don't understand, read it again. Any questions?
2: Will you be in your office if we have questions?
1: (laughs) You must be new, my dear. I'm never in my office.
2: How do we find you if we have questions?
1: If you don't know the answer to that already, then I guess you don't. Anything else? No? Good luck be good, and if you can't be good, then be good at it. And there we have it.
0: It Was Good While It Lasted was written by Lachlan Watt. The Doctor was played by Neil Scarupa with neurotic voice. Ava was played by Catherine Vaya. Sound design and episode artwork by Tanner Wood. Thank you for listening to our first bonus episode this season. Don't worry, we'll return to Highbridge soon enough.